theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. We continue today the second shear on the Maimer of the Tzemach Tzedek in Derech Mitzvah Secha. Isur Sinas Yisrael, a mitzvah's Avas Yisrael. The prohibition against loathing, despising, hating another Jew, and the mitzvah of loving another Jew. This is in the classic work of the Tzemach Tzedek, Sefer HaMitzvah, Derech Mitzvah Secha, Mitzvah's Avas Yisrael. We learned the first two pages, and we're up to page Chavtes Amud Aleph, 29a, or page 57. Please open your source sheets if you're on the Zoom. You can see the source sheet in chat. You can go to theyeshiva.net and see the source sheets as well. So, today's class is dedicated by Chanazel Minkowitz in tribute in honor of her birthday on the second day of Ir. Mazel tov, happy birthday. She's been a student here for many, many years and we wish her a tremendous year of Hatzlacha with happiness, health, prosperity, nachas and all the blessings especially that you share a birthday with Bez Ir, Bez, the birthday is Bez Ir, Tiferes, Shabbat Tiferes, the birthday of the Rebbe Maharash, Shmuel, the son, the youngest son of the Tzemach Tzedek, and his successor, Mazel Tov. Class is also dedicated by <coughs> Harav David and Rivka Feldman, in loving memory of uh, her brother, who passed away last week, Harav Yisrael Meir, Ben Reb Shmuel Isaac Halevi Popak was the Chabad Shliach to Colorado for many, many years and passed away last week. Tehei Nishmasai Tzruda B'Tzreir HaChayim. And may he remain an eternal source of blessing and light and inspiration for you and the entire Mishpacha. And everybody should have Kol Tov, B'Toiv HaNirev HaNigla, only revealed goodness and Simcha. And Nachas and uh, blessings Ad Blidai. Thank you. Let's summarize very briefly the theme of the first chapter of this mitzvah, of, the tzamach, of this uh, maimer, of this discourse of the Tzemach Tzedek. I want to also remind everybody that uh, <laughs> it's a little sad, I don't know, for some people it's sad, for some people it's happy. This is our last uh, Hasidus morning class uh, in hibernation, <laughs> for now. Uh, it's been two years. We went on to Zoom, I think, a week after the corona, Two year, a little more than two years ago. Uh, and uh, Monday morning, we're going to continue uh, live in person on 18 Forche Road, 7.45 a.m. That's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, 7.45 to late 30. Everybody's invited in person. 18 Forche Road downstairs. That's the main show of Erechayim. Again, Monday, 7.45. And it will be streamed live by Ezer Hashem. So all of you who are out of town or... Uh, can't make it, you could also watch the live stream on the yeshiva.net, Be'ezer Hashem. Okay. So the Tzemach Tzedek explained that the core, the inner the inner uh, source, the inner meaning of the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael is based on the fact that essentially when we look at reality from a deeper perspective, we discover that all of our souls are interconnected with each other. And therefore, it would be like the limbs of a body, even though every limb has its own unique function. And every organ, and every bone, and every sinew, and every artery, and every nerve, and every nerve ending, and every neuron, and of course, every cell, which makes up 
the chemistry of the body, everyone has its unique contribution, its unique function, its unique flavor, its unique personality, its unique dimension. As the Mishnah says in San Mesech Sanhedrin, no two people are alike. No two souls are alike. It's like different limbs of the body, because if they would be alike, one of them would be superfluous. Hashem doesn't make anything in vain. But each is part of a singular organism. Each is therefore connected to the other one in the most intimate and intricate way. So therefore, if you're really in touch with reality, if you're in touch with your own reality, love is the most organic, natural, and deepest state of reality. If I really love me, meaning if I love the real me, I love you, because you and I are deeply, deeply connected. We're one. If I hate me, (laughs) then that means also I hate you. And if I hate you, it means I really hate me. When I separate myself from another Jew, when I detach from you, when I reject you, what it really means, he says, it's a form of spiritual mutilation. And that's why the Arizal said that before you daven in the morning, you should say, This is one of the most amazing ideas in this Maimer. Why did Arizal say that before you daven, you should accept upon yourself the mitzvah of loving another Jew like you love yourself? He says, because davening is going up to Hashem. It's aligning yourself with Hashem. And what's the big halacha about a carbon? You're not allowed to bring a balmum. You're not allowed to bring a blemished animal as an offering. So he says, if I go up to Hashem and I am having discord and contention with another person, I hate you, I'm a balmum. <laughs> I'm blemished. I rejected some of my limbs. I rejected one of my parts. God says, I don't recognize you. Where are you? I want you. I want the full you. I want you in your full presence. I want you in your full wholesomeness. But what hate does is, hate detaches ourselves from ourselves. It's worthwhile to quote here a very beautiful insight I heard we have in our community a Jew, he's originally from Montreal, Rabbi Yosef Chesser, he lives now at least part-time in Muncie, and he shared with me that once in Montreal, it was Friday night, and they had a guest that came to the community, Hagar and Reb Cutler, who's the Rosh Hashiva of Lakewood, and Reb Cutler, there was like a Oynik Shabbos Friday night, a Bata, and Reb said a beautiful insight. The Pasuk says in Parshas Re'eh, Loisiz Goydidu, what does Lysis Gaidadu mean? You know what Lysis Gaidadu means? The Torah prohibits a Jew from scraping off his or her skin as a sign of grief and mourning. There were pagan tribes that when somebody would die, they would, uh, they would mutilate themselves and they would scratch off and scrape off part of their skin as a sign of grief. The Torah says, do not do that. Do not remove your hide, your epidermis, as a sign of grief. Gemara says in Yevamas, some of you are learning Yevamas, the word says Gaidadu comes from the word Agud, Agud means a group, a unit, right? Agud, the Igud. So the Gemara says, don't splinter the Jewish community into different groups. Like in one city, don't create you know, fragmented situations, fragmented communities, fragmented courts, fragmented, but they did. So the Maharal in Gurari asks a question. 
Usually when the Chazal give an interpretation for a Pasuk, it has to be connected somehow to the literal interpretation. There has to be some connection. But here, the two interpretations seem so far-fetched. Literally, means what? Don't, don't scrape off the skin from your body. And the Gemara says, no, Lysis Gaidadu means don't splinter up into different communities. It like, seems to be such a far-fetched interpretation. So Shnei said it's really the same interpretation. Because all the Jews are like one body. When you splinter and you separate Jews from each other, it's like separating skin from your own body. And that's what the Tzamech Tzedek is explaining here. So therefore, when I show up for davening, what's davening? Davening is like a carbon. Right, the Gemara says that tefillah is b'makam karbonas tikkunum. The idea of tefillah is an offering. The word carbon comes from the word kiruv. That's what it says in Kabbalah, say for Habayah. The word carbon, usually it's translated as sacrifice, but that's not an accurate translation. <laughs> the word carbon doesn't mean sacrifice. The word carbon means close. You know the difference, right? <laughs> sacrifice, sacrifice means you just sacrifice. Carbon means you come close. You're not just sacrificing. You're not just giving yourself up. You're becoming close. You may be sacrificing external things in order to become close. So the carbon is experienced today in davening where we become aligned with our source. And in the source that Samach Tzedek says, all souls are connected. In the source, it's like the brain. If you come to the brain and you say, sorry, I'm not coming with the other part of the body. Get rid of the leg. The brain says, sorry, if you want to come to me, the entire body has to be here. Imagine you come to the doctor, you say, I don't care about the second part of my body. You can cut it off, get rid of it. And it doesn't work that way. The brain says, no, 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 no. We want everything. We want, if there's a little pain, even in the nail, the brain feels it, the brain experiences it. So he says, in davening, when I show up to the source, when I show up to the brain, the shechina is like the brain, I can't be a Balmum. And therefore, the Arizal said, before davening, you should accept the mitzvah of a haftal re'echa And it's really a very powerful thing to do. There are those who daven in the Siddur, based on the Nusach of the Arizal, so you say it anyway. But when you say it, to do it with kavana, to do it with attentiveness, because sometimes what we say in the Siddur is just, you know, robotic, you're so used to it. Even those who daven Nusach Ashkenaz, or different Nuschayas, Nusach Svarad, Nusach Teimon, this is a tremendous thing that you may consider adding to your daily schedule that before davening, before you start davening, before you start after the brachas, before you start matayvu, and whatever you say before davening, to incorporate what Arizal said before davening. I accept upon myself the mitzvah of loving you like I love me. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains here why this is essential to the journey of David. This is a very brief summation of what we learned in the last class. You can review it. The first chapter, it's an intricate chapter. And now we go to chapter 2 of this Maimar. After we explained a very, very, uh, a very beautiful explanation, Tuftam means a beautiful explanation for this mitzvah. It's not just love another person like you love yourself. 
because it's a nice thing to do. The Ramban asks a question, how could you even love somebody like you love yourself? But we explain that it's really a form of ultimate self-love, when you love your real self, when you love your soul, when you don't only love your externality, some people just love their watch or their suit or their label designs or their car, but they don't love themselves. You know that, right? A lot of people, they don't love themselves. But if you really love yourself, you love your neshama, you appreciate your true self, so then is organic. It's innate because you are part of my soul. So if I can't get along with you, if I have to hate you, it means that I can't get along with me. There's a certain part of me that is really perturbing me. So he says, after all of this, there's another incredible reason and explanation in the goodness that a person accomplishes for himself or herself in the whole world when we fulfill this mitzvah. And on the contrary, God forbid, when we obliterate this mitzvah and transgress the negative commandment of hating somebody else. Fascinating question. The Gemara says in Meseches Shabbos, Daflamet Aleph, a non-Jew came to Shammai and wanted he should teach him the whole Torah while he's standing on one leg. Meaning in a few seconds or in a few minutes. How long can you stand on one leg for? Yeah. The Rambam describes, how do you know you're an old man or you're a sick person if you can't stand on one leg and tie your shoe, <laughs> tie your other shoe, or take it off? <laughs> how long can people stand on one foot? Not for long. Yeah. So he wants the whole tire on one foot. So Shammai threw him, Shammai rejected him. Hillel said, what you dislike to be done to you, don't do to anybody else. Madalach Sani. What you hate, lechavrech to your friend, loisavet, don't do it. That's the whole Torah, and everything else is commentary. Now go study the commentary. The whole Torah is a commentary on this statement. So the Samach asks a question. Why did Hillel convey to him the message in the negative? Why not in the positive? He could have quoted the Pasuk. Love your fellow like yourself. Why does Hillel have to invent a new way of saying it? You have a Pasuk. The person wants to know, what's the whole Torah? So tell him. You want the whole Torah on one foot? No. He says it in the negative. What you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to anybody else. Why not in the positive? Care about somebody else like you care about yourself. That's how the Torah says it. Now you might say, it's interesting how he asks it, you might say, Hillel wanted to speak in Aramaic. The language of the time was Aramaic. In Hebrew, Hillel was talking to a Gentile. He wanted to say it in Aramaic. So the Tzamech Tzedek says, Look at Targum Unkulus. The Unkulus translates it in Aramaic. Usiracha me lechavrach kavasach. Usiracha me means you should love in Aramaic. Lechavrach, your friend, also in Aramaic. Kavasach, like yourself, also in Aramaic. All in the positive. Hillel didn't do that. Instead, Hillel chose to say it in the negative. What you hate for yourself, don't do to somebody else. Why not? What you like for yourself, do to somebody else. You could say it in Aramaic. By the way, this is a question of the Marsha. The Marsha. In Mesechah's Shabbos, Lamed Aleph asks this question. So the Tzamech Tzedek explains, fascinatingly, Hillel could have said the three words, He could have said it. 
love your fellow like yourself. But by saying it in the negative, what you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to anybody else, he's explaining the mitzvah in a profounder way. And he's also explaining why this is the whole Torah. Hillel doesn't only want to tell this person, be a nice person, be a gentleman. He doesn't only want to convey the golden rule. Hillel is telling him, this is the whole Torah. Remember, the person came and didn't ask for a lecture on love. He asked him to teach him all of Judaism while he's standing on one foot. So Hillel said, I'll give it to you. What you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to anybody else. This is explaining in a deeper way and showing why this is the whole Torah and why the whole Torah is a commentary on this, which apparently doesn't make sense, as he said at the beginning of the Maimer. So much of Torah is not a commentary on love. What does not eating on Yom Kippur have to do with love? What does putting on tefillin have to do with love? What does keeping Shabbos have to do with love? What does davening mincha have to do with love? What does eating kosher have to do with love? What does not wearing shotness have to do with love? What does lighting Hanukkah candles or reading the Megillah on Purim have to do with love? What does not working, not eating chametz on Pesach or getting rid of your chametz have to do with love? There are mitzvahs that have to do with love. Don't steal and don't hurt somebody and don't insult somebody and don't gossip and don't slander and don't lie and don't murder and don't commit adultery. That's all about relationships. But many of the mitzvahs are not. That's what the Tzermach Tzadik asked at the beginning of the Maimah. By, by Hillel saying these words, what you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to anybody else. He was explaining the profundity of the mitzvah of Haftal Recha and thus why this constitutes the whole Torah and everything else is commentary. The Tzermach Tzadik begins to explain. What this means is, We have a famous expression, and it's a very natural phenomenon, we all know this. A person has a hard time seeing his own faults. A person doesn't see his own faults. We call them blind spots. We call it confirmation bias. A person is biased. It's hard for me to see my own flaws, right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that a person is completely in denial and a person is completely unaware of any flaws. On the contrary, a person could know a lot more about his own flaws and his own deficiencies and his own inappropriate behaviors more than anybody else will ever know. Why? Somebody else only sees me from the outside, but I know what's happening inside. So as much as somebody could see me and see what's going on in me, ultimately they can only see externalities. But you know yourself in a way that nobody else could know you, because you know your thoughts and you know your emotions and you know your feelings. So if, you ha- if, you're, if you're dealing with flaws, if you're dealing with wounds, if you're dealing with traumas, if you're dealing with deficiencies, if you're dealing with inappropriate behaviors, you know it better than anybody else. So what do we mean when we say, Ein adam a person doesn't see his own flaw? Come on. You know, if, if you're just a little honest, you know your flaws better than anybody else. The meaning is, I know it, but it doesn't occupy so much space to affect me. It's as though I don't see it. Because self-love, naturally, a person's self-love is so powerful in a good way that I'll kol pshav There's an expression Shlema Melech says I'll kol pshav Love covers up 
all sins. So the Tzamech Tzedek says it begins with myself. I may know my flaws. I may know my deficiencies. I may know them better than anybody else. I know them better than anybody else. But when I'm aware of them, it remains something of almost cerebral knowledge. I know about it. Because the powerful love I have to myself covers over this awareness that the Ava, the Chasa Ava B'Pchines Makif, so that this knowledge of my flaws remains somewhat peripheral. The knowledge of my flaws doesn't affect, hopefully, me, that I start hating myself, I start loathing myself. We're talking about a healthy person. The idea, the knowledge of my flaws doesn't translate into me getting emotionally invested in how bad I am. And therefore, they don't occupy space that I should be affected. That's what it means a person doesn't see his own flaws. It doesn't mean he doesn't know about them. It means shenishka. It gets submerged. It gets subsumed and obliterated. In the tremendous self-love, which covers over and eclipses all of my own sins, so that this knowledge remains only superficial. It doesn't really permeate my heart to the point that I start denigrating myself and loathing myself. But when you see my flaws... And you see my inappropriate behavior. I'm going to get upset. Why? Why? You know that it's true. Why is it? It's a here is so uh, is so graphic. Why is it? I can do something that's very wrong. I know it. I'm not so upset. Suddenly, when you know about it, I get so upset. Why? You know it's true. You also knew about it yesterday. See, he also knows about it. Why do you care? I'm so upset that you know about it. But it's true. It's not like the guy is lying. He's not lying. He's telling you the truth. Why are you so upset? If he was lying, I understand. But you know how right he is. You know that this is true and it happened yesterday. He says, the answer is Pashat. You're not upset that the guy is lying about you. It's because there's a difference when you know about my sin and I know about my sin. <laughs> when I know about my sin, it somehow, <laughs> it gets covered over very fast. When you know about my sin, it's it occupies space. My self-love will make sure that my knowledge of all my sins gets covered over. It gets submerged. It drowns in the water. It doesn't occupy space. I, I know about it. I know about it. It's information. I don't, doesn't, I don't sit with it. It doesn't affect my relationship to myself. I don't wake up in the morning. And, and by the way, this is a, he's, not this, he's not complaining about this. It's a machzadak. This is the way it should be. I don't wake up in the morning and say, wow, I am, I, at least I shouldn't. I'm such a sick, horrible person. I hate myself. When somebody does that, we really have to have compassion because they start seeing themselves often like a stranger. <laughs> Self-love is organic. You should love yourself. So the Tzamech Tzedek says, the fact that I know all my sins, I don't start hating myself. Why? Because the knowledge 
is not Bebchinus Yeshvis Pilus. But when you know about it, even though it's true, so why am I getting upset? Because your knowledge of it is very different than my knowledge of it. When you know about my sin, it's Bebchinus Yeshvis Pilus. My knowledge of it, it gets eclipsed. But your knowledge of it, it occupies space, it affects my own, I know better, I know more than you. But the love covers over. You know why I'm upset at you? I'm upset because you took it out of hiding, the hiding place. You let the mouse, you know, you open the Pandora box. You let the mouse come out of the box. What I'm upset about you is not the information. I can deal with the information. The information is not the issue. It's how you process the information. I know all the information about myself. But somehow, I forgive myself. I like myself. (laughs) I like myself. So you know what? It's in context. It's in context of love. But when I hear it from you, you took it out of its hiding place. You took it out of context. You know, we say you take it out of context. So the Samachsedek says like this, all information that a person has about themselves is in the context of self-love. So therefore, I sinned, I make mistakes, I have flaws, I have deficiencies, MS, but I like myself. (laughs) I like myself. I like myself. So it's in that context, I'm fine. It doesn't mean I'm a, doesn't mean I'm in denial, it doesn't mean I'm a sugar, it doesn't mean I, it means this is how it is, it's in that context. And we're not complaining. I'll call Psalm Tachasav. But when you talk about it, I don't hear it in the context of love. I often hear it in what? I just hear the deficiency stands on its own. The flaw is self-contained. The sin lives on its own. There's no context of love. And that's what bothers me. Because when it was in the context of love, it was hidden, it was eclipsed, it was submerged. It wasn't seen, it wasn't visible. It didn't stare me in my eyes. When you extract it from that, when you talk about it, you're not telling me anything that I don't know, but I'm so hurt. Why am I hurt? He says, because my friend revealed it. It was covered over by love, and now it occupies its own space. So the Tzamech Tzedek asks a question. What happens if we can give people that love? If we can give people that context? That even when I'm talking to you about something that's critical, there's a critical conversation if it can be in the context of love. And this is probably one of the most powerful or such a powerful piece of advice in terms of interpersonal relationships. For example, in a marriage. (laughs) We always go to a marriage because that's where people are living together and, you know, (laughs) constantly challenging each other. There are conversations that are very positive. I love you. I cherish you. I appreciate you. I respect you. Whatever that means between a husband and a wife on many different levels. But there are conversations that can be critical. I see the flaws. I see a deficiency. I see behavior that I felt was inappropriate. So Mahzadik says, be careful here. 
because the way the person processes it is going to be in a context of deep, deep acceptance. If you can process it the same way back to them, everything will be different. Can we have a conversation about my challenges or my deficiencies or my flaws, but I should feel that you are talking about it within the context of love, of trust, of loyalty. That makes all the difference. Everybody understands? I hope you understand. So let's see how he says it. This is what Hillel meant. Hillel didn't just say, like the other person, like yourself. He was saying something. Now look at his words. What is hateful to you, don't do to your friend. Most people interpret it as, what was he saying? You don't want somebody to lie to you, don't lie to your friend. You don't want somebody to steal from you, don't steal to your friend. He could have just said, treat another person like yourself. He was saying this, he was saying something deeper. What you hate, what do you hate? You don't hate truth, you hate the revelation of this truth out of the context of love. Don't do that also to somebody else. Just like with yourself, when we say, you don't see your own flaws, it doesn't mean you don't see them, you see them. You're not naive, and you're not dumb, and you're not a liar. But you see it within a context. And because you see within a context, it doesn't occupy separate space. That's the question. What type of relationship do you have with the other? And indeed, the fact is, that when a husband and a wife have a good marriage and a good relationship, they could see all the flaws, but they see it in the context of trust and loyalty and dedication, just like you see it vis-a-vis yourself. Now, sometimes a person, I just have to say this as a disclaimer, sometimes a person is suffering from acute depression or anxiety or self-loathing and self-hate, and they really don't see their flaws within a context of love. And that could be very challenging. That's when I wake up in the morning and I say, I hate myself. I hate me. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. And all I focus is on my guilt. And that's something we have to address because I'm treating myself like a stranger. I'm not one with myself. I'm really treating myself like a stranger. So now the advice from Hillel is not just to somebody else. It's also to yourself. (laughs) It's also to yourself. You have to be your own friend. You have to be your own friend. Right? Love your fellow like yourself begins with yourself. You have to be able to love yourself and then you can love somebody else. Because as we're explaining, loving the other is the ultimate of self-love in a good way, in a positive way, in a beautiful way. Okay, I just wanted to emphasize that. So he says, Can you also see his flaws in the context of love? And then it's different. Everything is different. You could talk to me about everything, but can you talk about it with me like you would talk about it with yourself if it was your own challenge? What does that mean? That means I don't see it as something outstanding, as something conspicuous, as something that sticks out, as something that overtakes my emotional self, that I define you by the negativity. I don't define you by the negativity, and that's the core question. Do you define yourself by your positivity or by your negativity? The Tzamaq Tzedek says, the way God created a person naturally, a healthy person, you define yourself by your positivity. You define yourself by love. Ah, you have flaws and you have deficiencies and you have problems and you have challenges and you did wrong things and you make mistakes and you, you, whatever it is, everybody in their own way. But ultimately, hopefully, you define it within the context of positivity. 
And therefore, it doesn't become a separate monster. It doesn't stand out as a separate monster. It remains makif. It's knowledge, yes, I have to deal with this. But it's not like my heart is now pulsating with horrible, horrible negative feelings about me. Sometimes, indeed, we do something and it really stands out in our life and we can't forgive ourselves and it really takes us over. It really takes us over. And we have to we have to work with it. We have to repair. We have to make amends and so forth. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, what's the ultimate story? The same is true with somebody else. What is the ultimate story? Is it an ultimate story that I have a positive attitude towards you? And because I have a positive attitude towards you, there's affection, there's love, there's connection, there's positivity. So therefore the flaw is seen in that context or it stands out as a separate reality. This is what Hillel said. What is disliked to you? He's not just saying something you dislike to be done to you. He's talking about this specific thing. This type of gili, this type of revelation of your flaw standing out in and of itself on its own is something that's hurtful for you. It's something that's hurtful for you. This is what you have to give to your friend as well. Whether it's flaws or mistakes that a person does in matters of the world between a person and somebody else, the person may have said something to you or to somebody else. Or between them and God, heavenly things, don't turn their flaws and their deficiencies into something substantial that stands out on its own like a sore thumb. Not in the context of love. It's all because there's a love, because it's a positive relationship. The love is deep that it covers over the sins, meaning, not that you don't know, you're not naive, but the knowledge does not translate into emotional turmoil that my experience of you is one of negativity. He gives a fascinating example. Sometimes you have this tremendous desire to somebody else. You really cherish somebody, you really love somebody. Sometimes your core, your soul's core, has an intense, intense affection for somebody. You're drawn to them. You want to be close to them. You cherish them. You love them. He says, <laughs> Even if the guy does something, and somebody else will tell you, well, he just hurt you. This is against the love. Somehow it won't occupy space. It's going to be nullified in the love. As the Pasuk says in Hashidim chapter 8. Abundant waters cannot extinguish the love. What does this mean? Let's make it very practical. If you have a real, real positive feeling to somebody, if you just have a love to somebody, they may do something wrong, but you're going to contextual, you're going to see it in context. You'll be curious, and you may even find out that they didn't mean to hurt you. You're going to be, this is back to the marriage. When a marriage generally is good, 
the general ambiance in the house is, I like you, I love you, you like me, you love me, then even if you say something or you do something that can be interpreted different ways, the other person will not immediately jump to conclusions, oh, you're a horrible person. They won't. Try it out. <laughs> they won't jump to such conclusions. You know why they won't jump to such conclusions? I don't mean try it out to do something wrong. I mean try it out to create an ambiance of a lot of love. And the reason is because... I give you the benefit of the doubt because I see you in a context of positivity. So even the negativity, I'm going to reinterpret. And even if I can't interpret it, even if I can't reinterpret it, I easily let it go. I forgive. Sometimes I don't even see it. I don't occupy it. When you are so loving of somebody, says when your soul is really connected to somebody, it's not like they don't make mistakes. They make mistakes. But even strong floods, mayim rabim, flash floods, can't extinguish the love. It doesn't occupy space. It doesn't take over the relationship. Obviously, there's many different levels of this experience. On the most intense level, where it doesn't occupy space and it's completely subsumed and obliterated, or where it doesn't occupy so much space and there could be forgiveness. But the point is that it's all about the relationship. So, what you don't like to be done to you. What do we mean? What do? Not what you don't like to be done to you. What you don't like for you meaning. You don't want somebody to take that flaw out of context of love. You don't want the person to extricate your flaw out of the context of your goodness, of your beauty, of your holiness. Don't just see my deficiency. See my deficiency within my infinite goodness. That's what your friend also deserves. Don't do that to your friend either. Don't do that to your wife. Don't do that to your husband. Don't do that to your child. Don't do that to your neighbor. Don't do that to somebody else in your life. The Olam understands. You understand or you feel? This mind you have to feel, not just understand. You have to feel it viscerally. You have to fill it with the body. Somebody writes, I'll never forget learning this idea about seeing flaws in the context of love of self when I was 13 or so. I heard it from my brother. My brother learned this maimah from the Tzemach Tzedek in Yeshiva. Now let me tell you about myself. I have made a lot of mistakes in parenting. I made a lot of mistakes in interpersonal relationships. But anything I did right, <laughs> I can trace back to knowing this vital piece of human psychology that my brother taught me at the age of 13 when I learned this mimer. Knowing that I look in the mirror and forgive myself and applying the same grace to another person, they have their flaws, but they forgive themselves. I also forgive them. I forgive myself. I could forgive others. I sometimes don't even see my flaws. I can relate to other people like that. As an adult today, I have a new understanding of the practicality of this. Being proactive in providing that loving context for my spouse, for my children, for myself, for other people. I have to say it's hard. Not to take their flaw out of the context of love is a very hard thing to do. But it's vital for my interpersonal relationships. Beautifully said. Somebody wrote this on the Zoom. Really, really nice. Thank you for sharing that. 
Now somebody asks, does this apply also to our relationship with Hashem? Does he see our flaws in the context of love? Excellent. That's going to be the continuation of the Maimer. Beautiful. So now let's go to the next step. And this is so true, by the way, with everything. It's also true with your own children. Because very often, we love our children so much, we also become so judgmental of them. (laughs) You know, when you love somebody so much, you put them under a microscope, right? Somebody else's child, oh, he's so cute. You know how when somebody comes over to Schultz, comes over to you and says, wow, your son is so cute. And you're like, really? You know, which, 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 which child are you talking about? Parents, in the name of love, become so judgmental, so judgmental. Not in a bad, they don't mean bad, because you put your kid under a microscope and you see everything, you did this wrong and that wrong and that wrong. and So Machzadek says, okay, I got it, I got it. But in the context of how much goodness there is, how much love there is, how much you love them, how much you cherish them, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean you should ignore it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it. He's not saying yeah, you shouldn't talk with your spouse about something that's bothering you. But always, the question is, what is the underlying story? Is the underlying story one of hate or one of love? Is the underlying story positive or negative? Is the underlying story my appreciation of you, or it's about the, the, the toxic toxicity. And when there is that poison, all conversations are going to be, are going to become, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, they're going to become explosive. They're going to go downhill. <laughs> the conversations are going to go downhill because the underlying vibe, uh, uh, the underlying fabric the underlying fabric has been tarnished. That's what Hillel is telling us. Not just don't do to him what you're doing to yourself. That he could have said, treat your neighbor like you treat yourself. Very nice. I don't want you to lie. I won't lie to leave me. I won't lie to you. No, he's talking about this element. What we despise is not information. I don't care if you have information about me, but I want to know that you love me. There's a beautiful interpretation of Rebbe Yitzchak of Badichev. So beautiful. It says in Shir Hashirim, Hagida li nafshi. Hagida, right? Hagida nali nafshi. Literally it means, tell me the one who my soul loves. Tell me the one who my soul loves. But he says, Hagida li, tell me sha'ahava nafshi, that my soul is loved. Tell me that my soul is loved. Tell me, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that. I want you to be able to be an empathetic witness, to be able to contain my flaws within the context of affection. And that makes all the difference, so that I can have a conversation with you like I would have a conversation with myself. So that's the exercise, my friends. To be able to have a conversation with the other like you're having that conversation with yourself. And to be able to have that conversation with yourself. First, to be able to say that there is real love here. I see it in the context of affection. Now we come to the next step. This is the reason. And this is the reason that this is the whole Torah. Because when the souls of Israel are integrated, when they become one, like one organism, like one structure, now we come to the next step. 
this creates on all levels, including in the spiritual realities, something extraordinary, which is the ultimate purpose of Torah. You know, many people, before they do a mitzvah, they say, for the unity of Hashem and the Shekhinah. Or like uh, the Balatanya put it in his Siddur before Baruch Sha'amar. What is L'Shem Yichud Kutsha Brichu Shechinte? It's unifying HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. What is that? Kutsha Brichu basically represents divine infinity, divine oneness. What's Shekhinah? Shekhinah from the word Vishachanti is the divine energy that's manifested in every single creature. Your life force is the Shechina. My life force is the Shechina. What's Yichud Kuchabrichu Shechinte? Yichud Kuchabrichu Shechinte is aligning your consciousness with the divine consciousness of oneness. And that's why every mitzvah is Yichud Kuchabrichu Shechinte. It's the alignment of my consciousness, my life force, my identity, my personality, my day-to-day interactions, that's Shechina, because everything is a manifestation of the divine energy that is enclosed and dwells, Shechina means dwells, and is manifested within the particular brain of you, of this person, or this creature, or this organism. And Shechina is in everything and everybody, every tree, and every shrub, and every bush, and every atom, and every cell, and every neuron, every galaxy, every star, every centimeter of space is filled with divine energy, with the divine presence. And we want to unify that with Kuchabrichu. That's what elevating the world is, elevating the consciousness, creating that oneness. So Tzamech Tzedek explains, that's the purpose of Torah. Yichud Kuchabrichu The only way that could be Yichud Kuchabrichu is if there's unity, if there's love. He's going to use Kabbalistic language, but the message is going to be very clear. Shechina is known in Kabbalah as Imetata, which means the lower mother. Umatrunisa, <laughs> or the queen. Mekar Neshama Yisrael, the source of all souls. That's called Shechina. Sometimes it's called Malchus, it's called Imetata, it's called Matrunisa. Kehine Shufri, the Yaakov, men Shufri, the Adam. The Gemara says in Baba Mitzia, Peidalad, Baba Mitzia 84, the visage of Yaakov reflected the visage of Adam. Literally it means Yaakov looked like Adam. But it means also on a deeper level. Yaakov encompassed all of the souls. And in that sense, Yaakov's visage is like the visage of Adam. Which Adam? Adam HaElyon. Yecheskel talks about the fact, Ezekiel chapter 1, that on the throne he saw an image of the glory of God, which he calls Adam HaElyon, the supernal man, Yaakov, who represents all the souls, reflects that image of Adam Elyon. Ki Hashem Amoy. As Moshe Rabbeinu says at the end of his life, Dvarim Perik Lamed Beis, Deuteronomy 70.32, in Parshas Zinu, his nation is a part of Hashem, Chelek Hashem Amoy. In other words, the Shechina encompasses all the souls. It's like a brain, like we learned earlier in the previous class. The brain is the cent- contains the central nervous system that encompasses every single last detail of the body. So the Yaakov, the image of Yaakov, was a reflection of the image of Adam. Which Adam? Adam HaElyon. The higher Adam, the Shechina, 
which encompasses all of creation and all of the souls. When the neshama is become one, when they become integrated, so now you have oneness connecting with oneness. What does it mean? Now Hashem, who's one, could become one with the Jewish people because we're one. And they become one. And then God doesn't see the flaws anymore because it's Himself. It's Himself. So He forgoes and overlooks all transgressions, just like with yourself. You overlook your flaws. It's like all drowned in this big sea. The Pasuk says in Bilam, Bamidbar Chav Gimel, Numbers 23, And what does he continue? Hashem God does not see, Bilam says, God does not see iniquity in Jacob, or toil, agony, negativity in Israel. Why? Because Hashem is with him. Just like you don't see your own flaw, God doesn't see his flaw. This will be enough for somebody who understands. I'll explain in a moment more. It doesn't mean Hashem doesn't see, he doesn't know about it. You could fool him. No. God sees everything. Even the Sikhakal, the Gemara says, even the smallest conversation between a husband and a wife, Hashem knows. Or as I told somebody, even Google knows about it. Certainly God knows about it. People wonder, does Hashem really see and hear everything? I say, Google sees and hears everything. So you think Hashem doesn't see and hear everything? Job 11. Sometimes you could see iniquity, but you don't meditate on it. Hashem knows it, and His knowledge is infinite, but it doesn't create an emotion. What do we mean it doesn't create an emotion? It doesn't affect me. I could see your flaw, but I see it like my flaw. I see my flaw, but it doesn't affect me. I don't start hating myself. I don't cut myself out of my life. I don't stop speaking to myself because I have a flaw, right? <laughs> I don't say, I'm not speaking to me anymore. Sometimes it would be nice if I stopped speaking to myself. But my, most, you don't say, I'm not talking to me anymore because I have a flaw. I did this yesterday. I'm not talking to me anymore. So I'm cutting myself out of my life. And if you do it, it's a very serious state of depression. So can I treat somebody with that same, that same reality? So here the Tzimchatzadik says something very powerful. He says, in God, all the souls are one. When we become one with each other, we can now be one with Hashem. If we're one with Hashem, Hashem doesn't see our flaws. Not because He doesn't see our flaws, because He treats it like His own. <laughs> and if He treats it like His own, it's always in the context of oneness. It's always in the context of love. So the Tzimachsedah says, realize what happens when you treat another person in this level of reality. You're not just making for yourself a better life and making for the other person a better life. You're changing the whole world. You're changing the whole world because what happens, one is, Echad could become one with Echad. When we're fragmented, he's going to explain now. The Pasuk says, God covered up for him. 
There's a cover-up in a good way. And that Eloika covers up the flaws, the negativity. But if there is fragmentation, God forbid, among the Jewish people, Remember, whatever has a blemish can be brought as a carbon. So you create fragmentation above. So what happens? Now Hashem sees the negativity. Especially on the person, the one who's creating the separation. Rachman al-Litzlan means, may God protect us from this. Ubarcheinu avinu kolonu ke'echad. That's why we say in Shemayin Astra, bless us as one. Barcheinu avinu, so the Tzimach says, it doesn't only mean bless us all together. It means when we're one, there's only blessing. When there's kolonu ke'echad, there's barcheinu. Va'az kulach yafar ayasi umum ein bach. Shehashidim dalad. Song of Songs chapter 4. The groom tells the bride, all of you is beautiful. I don't see any blemish. So the Tzamech Tzedek says, what does this mean? When kulach yafa, then there's mum ein bach. Doesn't mean there's no blemish. Nobody's perfect. What it means is, the blemish is completely not noticed. Because kulach, but for this you need kulach. Now there could be the oneness of Kuchabrichu and Shkinte, Gilu Yoyin Soif, Bemakar Neshamas Yisrael, Lamevay Echad Bechad. The Ein Soif could be manifested in the source of all the souls, and oneness becomes one with oneness. Lamev, we say this in Kagavna, Friday evening, Friday before Baruchu, from Zoyar. Lamevay Echad Bechad. To become one with one. What is it, Samach Tzedek, telling us here? He's saying something really profound. <laughs> the fact that when it comes to yourself, all your flaws and all your negativity and all your inappropriate behaviors are not noticed. They may be noticed, but they don't occupy space. They don't turn you into an emotional enemy of yourself, hopefully. Why? Because you love yourself. And that's what Hillel is telling this person, that this is the core of Torah, because the core of Torah is Yichud Kuchabrichu Shchinte. The core of Torah is alignment. The core of Torah is going back to the source. And in the source, there's always oneness. In the source, you are connected to me and I am connected to you. And the ultimate of Torah is to unify but the only way to do that is if the souls become one. Because if the souls are not one, how could we go back to the Shechina and become unified with Kuchabrichu when in the Shechina they're all one? It's like I'll come to a, I'll come to a mother and say, I'm going to bring you some of the children, but some of the children I have to throw away. Sorry. <laughs> Come to me with all of them. What did Yehuda tell Binyamin? What did Yehuda tell Yosef? Eich ele lavi enuiti. I can't come back to my father without the child. I can't. I can't come to Yaakov and say, Binyamin is a crook. Binyamin is a thief. Binyamin is a thug. I can't. Go tell Yaakov, sorry, let go of Binyamin, let go of Yosef, let go of Shimon, they're all crooks. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. 
How can we become Shechina? What's Shechina? Shechina is the brain that includes all souls. But if I say to your soul, get out of my life, I can't deal with you, I hate you, I loathe you, what happens? The Shechina is now separate. The Shechina is now scattered, it's fragmented. In God, there's oneness. In Hashem, there's oneness. In Ain't Soiv, there's oneness. So how do you know you're in the presence of Hashem when there's oneness? When we become one, so now the Shechina is all united, so it's the real Shechina, it's the source of all the Neshamas, so there's the unity of Kuchabrichu, Shechinte, Lameve, Echad Be'echad, Hashem is Echad, the Echad can only be one with Echad, it can't be one with not Echad, because he's one. So then what happens? Even when a Jew sins, and even when a Jew does something inappropriate, God says, I don't see anything, sorry. <laughs> he's looking at himself, he's looking at himself. And when he sees himself, he doesn't see anything. Sorry. Why? Because Hashem Elikov Imoy. Because he's one with Hashem Elikov. And as it's brought in Svarim, Kamoichas Begamatri Elikim. Vahaftalarecha Kamoicha. Kamoicha is the numerical value of Elikim. Hashem Elikov Imoy. And if Hashem Elikov Imoy, so then Lahibetavim Bayakov. It's like a person doesn't see. His own flaws, even though they're there. So Kivayachal, it's a Machzadik says, the Adam Ha'alyan, Hashem, doesn't see his flaws. <laughs> he doesn't see his own flaws. I, he knows everything. Hashem knows everything. But it doesn't affect. It doesn't have an effect. It doesn't, it's not taken out of context. It's not taken out of the context of the relationship. The way he's, the way, the way, the way he puts it is that the Adam de la'ela, Hashem, Adam Elion doesn't see Chayv la'atzma. He doesn't see his own flaws. Because it's all him. It's all, why is it him? Because we're one. But if I become separate from you, so now that oneness is not felt anymore. It's not communicated anymore. So now there's a period. So now it's almost like I'm looking at a stranger who's not me. I'm looking at a stranger who's not me. And suddenly the flaws stand out. Especially the one who created the separation. That's why we say, I look at my wife and I say, all of you is beautiful. All of you. I include all of the souls. They're all part of one organism. And then there's no blemish. The blemish is in the context of the love. Second line. This is the meaning of the Pasuk in Parshas Re'eh, Deuteronomy 18. You should be wholesome with your God. What does this mean, be wholesome with your God? So he says like this, Just like Hashem with all the souls is one. There's no such a thing. Hashem says, some souls are not connected to me. He is all the souls. All the souls are derivative of the consciousness of oneness. The light of God's brain, of God's wisdom, shines in all of the limbs of the Shekhinah. No limbs are amputated. Love your fellow like yourself. And therefore you don't see your own flaws. You should have the same tamimus, the same wholeness from the word tamim, the opposite of a balmum. A balmum is blemish. Tamim is whole, holistic, complete. And then you could say, Then you can go up to Hashem. Then you can give your soul to Hashem because if you're blemished, I can't show up. God says, Where's your arm? Where's your leg? Where's your. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. 
You can't go back to your father without all the limbs, without all the organs. He says, one second, one second. How you, if you want a relationship with me, I'm oneness. You need to find that oneness in your life. If you live in, if I'm living in a space of fragmentation and negativity, I'm not living in the space of oneness. Tamim tia. You want to have that timimus. Kulach yafarayasi. Im Hashem Just like Hashem So Hashem could also be a lekecha, which is Hashem is kuchabrichu, and a lekecha is shchinte, and there could be the unity. V'zeo shamar Hillel. And this is what Hillel said, V'idach pirushuhu, everything else is commentary. All the mitzvahs are about oneness. All the mitzvahs. All the mitzvahs are about aligning your lower self with your higher self. Aligning your lower consciousness with your higher consciousness. Creating unity in your own inner cosmos and in the whole cosmos. You hear what the Tzemach Tzedek is describing, what Yiddishkeit is? All the mitzvahs are about oneness. Every mitzvah. What creates the ultimate oneness between the lower consciousness and the higher consciousness? Love. Love. So that's the whole Torah. Because the primary unity of the Adam, of Hashem, with the Shekhinah, what's the Shekhinah? The Shekhinah is the image of Yaakov, who reflected the image of Adam, which encompasses all souls, comes out through love. Because when there is love, when we're one, we become a channel for oneness. Because that's what Hashem is. Hashem is echad. Hashem is oneness. So to be in the space of Hashem is to be in a space of oneness, in a space of love. Chelek Hashem Amoy. Hashem is part of His nation. Every person, every soul is a chelek elekamima. So if I get rid of you, I'm getting rid of a part of God. <laughs> I'm not in a space of oneness. So the mitzvah of love is what facilitates the essence of all Torah, which is Yichud Kutsubri And all the mitzvahs are a commentary of explaining and implementing this oneness. The Hainu Be'eza Oifin Yiyahayichud. How is there oneness? How is there oneness? Every mitzvah creates and facilitates and channels oneness in a different way. Now I want to tell you something before we learn this parenthesis, because this is incredible. In the last few years, there's a very big conversation about languages of love, right? Languages of love. You have to know your spouse's love language. You have to know your friend's love language. You have to know your child's love language. You have to know your soulmate's love language. You have to know your own love language. What is your love language, right? They talk about five love languages. Is it words of affirmation? Is it acts of service? Is it spending quality time with each other? Is it physical touch? Is it gifts? What is your love language? What do I need to do to be able to make you feel loved and cherished? Some people need quality time. Some people need to talk and share and conversations, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, touch, physical touch. 
So this is a big chiddush that uh, came out a few years ago, a famous book and so forth. Now I want to show you, Lahavdil, in this parenthesis that Samach Tzedek puts in all the love languages, and you'll see how he puts that all of Judaism is, a love, la- is, is love. The question is, what's the love language? There's 613 languages of love. And those are the 613 mitzvahs. How the oneness happens? One way oneness happens is wisdom with wisdom. My wisdom and your wisdom merge. That's what learning is. Then there's ava ba'ava. My love merges with your love. I express love to you, you express love to me. Sometimes it's about ideas. We exchange ideas, we connect. You understand me, I understand you. That's Torah. I love you, you love me. That's Ava. Ushari midos, ayadeh shari mitzvahs. And the different qualities and emotions and attributes to different mitzvahs. Ukamai. Shaba'adam amizdabikum iskashinim chaveireh. Just like a person who connects with somebody else, with a friend. Siba sayiskashus huwa ava ha'mitis. What's at the core of the relationship is authentic love. Vahayichud. How do they connect? Pa'amim bedibur. Sometimes it's through conversation. Shemedaber imay divrei chachmah. We share words of wisdom. This is called spending quality time with each other, understanding each other, sharing with each other, words of affirmation, communication, getting each other. Sometimes I just need to feel the revelation of love. I don't need conversation. (laughs) I don't need conversation. You just want to experience the love. This may be buying a gift. This may also be quality time. This may be touch, etc. Sometimes I need acts of service. I just need you to do me a favor. Be here for me. It's unbelievable. That some, you hear what the Tzermatzadik is saying? It says in Zohar, the 248 mitzvahs are the 248 organs of the king. Every mitzvah, you're so to speak, connecting to another component, to another organ, of the one you love. Every mitzvah, the unity is with a particular limb. Sometimes I may kiss somebody on their cheek. I may give you a hug on your neck. I may speak to you with mouth to mouth. I may look at you in your eyes. I may connect to another part of the body. Every mitzvah is unity. The question is how? There's a different love language that every mitzvah connects to. There's learning Torah is one love language. This davening is another love language. Putting on tefillin is another love language. Giving tzedakah is another love language. Shaking a lulav is another, but it's all languages of love. It's all unity. So Hillel says, the whole Torah is going into a consciousness of oneness. Everything else is a commentary, how to do it. Every mitzvah explains the unity and accesses it in a different way. Chachma b'chachma, ava ba'ava, dibur b'dibur, etc. And he gives one example, k'may mitzvah satifah satalas. For example, a Jew puts on a talus. What's the idea of putting on a talus? It's like it says in Tanya, chapter 41, soim tasim alecha melech. It's like placing, appointing upon yourself a king, a leader. P'chines er makif. A talus is a light that transcends and it wraps you, it, in, it, 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 it uh, enraptures you. Because 
before davening, we wrap this talus, we wrap it talus, this gives the person the energy to be able to ultimately give their soul to oneness, to echad, say Shema Yisrael, because without Yira, there's no Chachma. Yira means awe. Chachma means wisdom. What real Chachma is, Koyachma, the complete merging of oneness. For the person to be able to experience the Hashem Echad, first I need the Yira. I need to open myself up to the mystery of oneness, and that's what the Talos is. Then there's something else. He says, then there's Yira Sha'achara Chachma. After Chachma, there's a deeper Yira. Kameshek Oymrim, Kameshek Osorim, Ein Chachma, Ein Yira. Chazal say, if there's no Yira, there's no Chachma. If there's no Chachma, there's no Yira. Hainu Bittl B'Metziyas B'Pnei HaKiruv. After Chachma, there's even a deeper Yira, and that is where you cease to be a separate reality. You become so close, there's no separateness anymore. That's the Chachma that follow. there's Chachma that follows Yira, and then there's Chachma that precedes a deeper Yira. Wow. The difference between awe and love is as follows. With love, the more distant you are, the stronger it is. I love you, I cherish you. What do they say? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. With awe, with year, it's the other way around. The closer you are, the more awe there is. Right? <laughs> Somebody once said about a great man, he said, most great people, the closer you come to them, the less you respect them. He said, but there's a few great people, the closer you become to them, the more you respect them. (laughs) The more you respect them. (laughs) I once heard this from one of the secretaries of the the Rebbe, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He said, you know, sometimes with people, if you're not close to them, you're like an awe. But then you get close to them and you see, you know, they're just... (laughs) You know, they're like everybody else, you know, they lose it in this. He said, with the Rebbe was the opposite. The closer you got, there was much more awe because, because you really saw. So, tzaddikim doimun lebayram. With Hashem, the closer you get, the more yira. The further you are, there's more ava. That's what Samach Tzaddik says. So he says, when you have the ultimate chachma, which is the ultimate kiruv, you have the most yira, the most bitl. Because you become so close to infinity that you just... You, you 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 have to let go of everything. You have to let go of the last vestige of ego. The impact of that level of oneness is manifested in the makif, in the surrounding energy of the talus, which represents the external awe that precedes chachma, and that's why in the morning, at the beginning of davening, the man wraps himself with the talus. And this is only a commentary on oneness. Oneness is always chachma in the soul. When you surrender, you, get, you align your soul with Hashem's oneness. Primarily it happens through love. My entire spouse is beautiful. And you're completely wholesome with Hashem because you're wholesome with everybody else. So the Tzamech Tzedek says that all of Yiddishkeit, Hillel told this non-Jew, is a commentary on love. Why? Because all of Judaism is about oneness. It's alignment with oneness. It's revealing the oneness in your brain, the oneness in your life, the oneness in your marriage, the oneness in your psyche, the oneness in your home, the oneness in your environment, the oneness on the planet and the oneness in the cosmos. And the oneness in all of reality. How is that exemplified? Through love. 
What does that mean on a deeper level? That even the criticism and the negativity and the flaws are in the context of love. All of Torah is a commentary on that. All of Torah is a commentary. What's a commentary? Commentary is an explanation. How do I get to that place of oneness? And how do I experience it? And how do I live with it? And how do I implement it? Every mitzvah is a different language of oneness. So you have the five languages of love, and you have the thirteen, the 613 languages of unity. 613 languages of unity. So now if I'm shaking a lulav, or I'm putting on tefillin, or I'm putting on a talus, the Tzemach Tzedek says if you don't understand that the talus is about love, you're missing the point. You're building a sukkah, you're cleaning your house for chametz, right? Or whatever mitzvah I'm doing. If I'm not, exp- I'm not appreciating the essence of this is going into a space of of oneness, I'm losing the point. I'm, I'm, I'm missing the point. This is what Hillel taught this person. And at the end of the Maimah, he just says, there's a whole other dimension to explain about this mitzvah of loving another person and not hating another person based on the mimer of my grandfather in Parshas Matos, Heichaltzu, the famous mimer of Heichaltzu, that God says, I cannot deal with Midian. Midian represents, the word Midian in Hebrew comes from the word modern, which means conflict. The klipa of Midian is the klipa of hatred. And that klipa must be eliminated in order for there to be able to be oneness in the world, the klipa of hatred. He says that's a whole other dimension of explanation that he's not getting into this mimer. He's just giving a reference that there's a whole other deep explanation about Avis Yisrael that's discussed in the mimer of Hey Chaltzu. This concludes at least one dimension of the Tzemach Tzedek's mimer on mitzvahs Avas Yisrael and the mitzvah of not hating another person. Question. A lot of questions. I'll take a few. I always find it in my life to see this as a truth, and that is, if I really love Hashem, I can make space for all Jews. When I don't really love Hashem, I become a very judgmental person. When you really love Hashem and you feel that Hashem loves you, you can make space for other people. Okay. There are people who are unwell. They hate themselves. They dislike themselves. They treat themselves in horrible ways. Should we then treat them the same way like they treat themselves? No, of course not. They need help. Next question. Forgiving myself. This is so hard. I don't know how to forgive myself. It's so hard. I'm learning to lean into my inner grace more than into my inner self-judgment. I like that. I'm learning to lean into my inner grace more than into my inner self-judgment. Very well. Beautifully. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Next question. The way I understand this is that the ultimate wisdom in this Maimer may be, have, has to be tested in the right to die controversy. Some patients in great pain, assuming a good mind, they just want to be put out of their misery and they want to die. It's assisted suicide. There's a big debate in the secular community about this. Shall we allow this? Should we help a person die because they're in so much pain? They want to end it. That's what they really want. Maybe if we had their pain, we might do the same. 
according to this mitzvah vahafta, do we allow them their wish or not? If we really love them, we should say, okay, they want to die, we're going to respect that, and we're going to do assisted suicide. Okay, this is really beyond the pale of this class, so I'm not going to get into this in detail, but suffice it to say that, you know, for this, this is such a deep question of morality, it's very hard for any of us to really believe that with our limited minds, we can have the full picture of what this means. In other words, do we really understand the value of a soul in this world? Do we really understand the value of another moment in life? This conversation can only be done in a context of a full understanding, or at least a partial understanding, of what it means to be alive, and what it means that God sends a soul down into this world, and what it means that God takes away a soul from this world. So that's the context in which we have to have this discussion. But it's a very, very important comment and a very important discussion. This Maimah speaks a lot about the Jewish people. The question is, what about the non-Jewish world? So you have to understand, this is the principle in all of Torah and all of Chassidus. Avas Yisrael, yes, the Jewish people are our family. The Jewish people have one soul. But when you understand this, automatically it translates into love of humanity. Because what's the whole point here? The whole point is that Hashem is oneness. So when somebody experiences Avas Yisrael, let me give you a classical example. Imagine I'm talking about having a good marriage, loving a loving marriage. And somebody says, why are you talking about marriages? Why don't you talk about loving the whole world, not only loving your wife or your husband? The answer is, when you have a good marriage, you're going to love the world. <laughs> when there's love in the house, there's going to be love outside of the house. That's the fact. When you love your children and your children love you, when you have a great marriage, it's going to go out of the house. So when Jews love each other in the way that the Maimah describes, automatically it extends to love of humanity and love of the planet and love of the world because it's all, all connected. Very good questions. Sending you today on this beautiful morning all my love, and I should say our collective love. I want to thank, since the next class I'm not going to be looking at a screen. I'll be looking at a screen, but I'm also going to be looking at people sitting there. So I want to use this opportunity. Some of you have been here with us um, literally for more than two years at every class or almost at every class. Sometimes you were here even when I wasn't here. So I want to thank everybody from all over the world who has graced us with you, who have graced us, who have graced us with your beautiful and delightful presence over these two unforgettable years since Corona came and changed the world. Your insights, your feedback, your attentiveness, your grace, your love, your wisdom, your spiritual sensitivity, and your commitment to be an ambassador of truth, love, light, hope, healing, authenticity, wisdom, and redemption remains a source of inspiration to myself and to all of us, and by extension, as we just learned, to all of the Jewish people and to the world. And... Uh, we hope to continue going from strength to strength. And may Hashem bless each and every single one of you with the gift of infinite love in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your world, and bless the whole world with this gift of love and all of the Jewish people with this special gift that we learned today. And may you have a beautiful day and a beautiful Shabbos. And again, the next class is going to be Monday morning, 7.45 a.m., not 7.30, 7.45 a.m., 18 for Shea Road in Muncie, streamed live on the yeshiva.net. I also want to wish Reb Aaron Ben Sara, 
all the bracha of Hatzlacha and complete health, Bekar of Mamash. We hope to see you very soon in good health. Betoich Klal Yisrael. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Unbelievable Mimer. Unbelievable Mimer. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.